0: Welcome to Scott's Commentary on the Text. I'm Scott Nutter and this is my conversation with Frederick Adams who is responding to Sherman's response to my podcast and blog What Makes Time Tick, which is based on one verse that is Genesis 1:14 and what does that verse tell us about the timeline in Genesis. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that first and then Sherman's response and then you can listen to this one that would be the optimal order or you could just listen to this one first and then find out what we're all talking about either way now um, the, the audio quality is a little bit different on here uh, Frederick is a little bit more silent and I tried to adjust for that but if I missed some spaces I tried to do this as quickly as possible And so it might not flow as well as other podcasts, but uh, bear with me. I work like 60 to 70 hours a week, and I don't have a whole lot of time to uh, sit here and go through every 30 to 45-minute episode. And I'd like to just copy and paste them in there and just do intros. So that's where I'm at right now. Let's get into this conversation. Okay, so you heard the
1: conversation I had with Sherman. And you have some thoughts about that?
2: Oh, sure. Yeah, like the the one thing about it, you know, the overusage of the idea of inherent maturity, Mm -hmm. that's an erroneous assumption. I mean, not to mention Adam wasn't necessarily, you know, there's no proof that he was formed as fully developed, is there?
1: As an adult, not necessarily. He yeah. would have to be self-sufficient enough. If if Chapter Two and One are, you know, the same account of man. Um, I mean, it
2: could be said that he was going through a learning phase from his beginning, yeah. which is very similar to a child learning.
1: Yeah, so I'd like. At least it, mentally,
2: you know, he was a child.
1: Well, what, what do we? Th- it starts with plants, and we can think of you know seeds going in the ground and sprouting up plants. But you know, uh, cattle coming out of the ground, you know, that's more of a magical type thinking. And it's expressed uh, very definely in chapter two as that that's what
2: yeah. that's what
1: that account shows that it just it's they just popped out of the ground.
2: Security right there, chapter two, yeah. it talks about the. Uh, bring forth after its kind in the generations before they were put in the earth. In other words, it's kind of implying that these things went through several generations before he even put them in the earth. So, if there's inherent maturity, it would be that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. My thing is, organic matter and inorganic matter do not have to evolve the same way or do not have to appear the same way.
2: You know? oh, yeah, be careful using that word evolve. They they like to jump on that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, yeah, evolve just means to develop into something, you know, more complex. I won't complex. even
2: debate somebody over evolution. It's a worthless argument.
1: So you believe in evolution then?
2: No, I don't believe in evolution the way Darwin taught it, but I believe evolution is a process that God instilled into his creations and it's more akin to adaptation. For instance, like uh people in the north lost a lot of their melanin in their skin, you know, because of the climate change that they were in and a mutation came about in their DNA which made them produce less melanin. Yeah. That's a type of evolution, whether anyone likes it or not.
1: Yeah. Well, the point Sherman made was after their kinds, then I pointed out, well, the kinds might be within cold-blooded, warm-blooded, and stuff like that. That might be the simple version of kinds. It doesn't mean that necessarily in the text you can't, you can't read out of that that um, one kind of animal didn't evolved from another one. In other words, like maybe tigers coming from cats or vice versa or whatever. In fact, uh, they believe that they de-evolved from, you know, wolves to dogs, little chihuahuas, was a, a de-evolving process, which is the opposite of evolution. But
2: Well, do they take into account things like the first horses look the size of a dog? Or that the yeah, they... American taper is actually a type of horse? Or that the hippo mm-hmm. was even a type of horse. Yeah, I never think that looking at mm-hmm. those
1: things. Yeah. So the question is: Is or what are kinds? And and my answer to that is, from what I read in the text, kinds are cold-blooded, warm-blooded, insect, plant, etc. Those kinds, you know. Right. Um, and so it's fair game that they would reproduce after their own kind. Warm-blooded animals do not reproduce with cold-blooded animals. Right.
2: Right. That would be mixing of seed, which is uh, a no-no. It's kind yeah. of like Deflin technology.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: The watchers.
1: Yeah. That's what they did. Yeah. So, yeah. So anything else on there uh, well, that you want to respond?
2: In addition to what you just said about how the conversation always seems to generate back to the discussion of evolution, uh, the statement was made, a short time the Earth has been here. That's another assumption based on the first mistaken premise because generations, as in of old, remind him of generations before they were in the Earth. (laughs) I'm just reading a note that I took after listening to the video, so it sounds odd because I read a note. Yeah,
1: because ch- chapter two says these are the generations uh, before the plants were in...
2: where oh. they were in the earth, yeah. I mean, many, many generations must have passed by before he even put them on the planet in the day.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: It's like yeah. several generations went by in a single day before he huh. put them in the earth. And now, back it, to touching on that whole evolution idea, you know, it, it kind of indicates in the first chapter that he instructed the planet itself to bring forth life. Yeah. Did it not?
1: <laughs> well, yeah, let the earth bring forth. I thought that was interesting. So it's really indicating life did come from non-life, but it took an act of God to do it. Yeah, you know, by well, his word. God. Yeah. So evolution really doesn't negate uh, that. That's you know. So uh, this toxicity to uh, the the idea of long periods of time and evolving has nothing to do with God creating things. And and they always point to after their kind. Okay, but the kind isn't specified. There's only three categories mentioned. And I think we can boil those down, cold-blooded, warm-blooded insects, stuff like that. Insects do not reproduce uh, with mice, warm-blooded, whatever. Yeah, those, and, and a lot of warm-blooded animals don't reproduce with each other. But what we learned from horses is that eventually there is uh, you, you can't cross-breed certain uh, after a while. So it's a self-selecting process just because one kind doesn't or one species doesn't reproduce with another doesn't mean they have don't have a common ancestor. Well, yeah, I'm just going to reiterate. I mean, the, the point is, is that life came from non-life, and the Scripture is identifying something that is an unsolvable mystery because it took a supernatural intervention to, to do. Now, it doesn't really speak to the process of how that happened. It just says that the earth brought forth, you know. Um, but... Uh, on a second note, what's harder to real uh, to figure? You know, what's harder to imagine supernaturally? An amoeba being uh, brought forth from the the ground or a cow? I neither one is a miracle, as far as I'm concerned.
2: I challenge Sherman to send his DNA off and see how much Neanderthal DNA he has. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't mean yeah. that facetiously. Because it's almost a guarantee it's got between 3 and 5% Neanderthal DNA.
1: Okay. And what does that mean?
2: Neanderthals are a type of human, but they're not the same thing as us. They're chromosomes. they got more chromosomes than we do. Certain uh, chromosomal switches were switched on in them that are switched off in us. Such mm. things like... You know, early men had longevity. We don't because the Lord shortened that. Right. Yeah. Well, that that's actually a sign that shows up in DNA testing.
1: Yeah, I think he, his Genesis history that group uh shows, uh, shows the div- the wild diversity that was before the flood. And we would expect that if there was uh, more genetic diversity back then and then there was a killing off, there would be a, a selection that would still have diversity but not as much as before probably, right?
2: Right. Yeah. No. another issue I have is this overusage of the phrase science fo- falsely so-called, okay? Because what that begs is the question of Okay, if there's a false, uh, falsely called science, then there's also legitimate science, yeah. right? The scripture indicates that the lips of the deck shall be the repository of science. In other words, the lips of the righteous shall be the holder of legitimate science. And, and uh, you know, just quoting from the Bible is not legitimate science. Hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, he references the microwave background radiation as uh, an example that we see this, but we don't know how it got there.
2: Well, I I would say, you know, the microwave background uh, radiation, if you put it on an oscilloscope, you see a reverse sawtooth wave, right? That, to me, indicates the uh, work of a carpenter Creating,
1: reverse sawtooth wave. That's out of my jurisdiction there.
2: Well, a reverse sawtooth wave. It looks just like the blades on a saw, like on a wood saw for sawing Mm. wood.
1: (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah. That's that's just the thing I threw in there. That's not necessarily. It does look like that though. It's a reverse sawtooth wave.
1: Mm. Ah.
2: So I like to call that the work of the carpenter.
1: Ah, yeah, referring to Yeshua.
2: Yes, exactly. And now referring to the idea of, well, we when we look way back into the past, we can only see galaxies. I mean, of course, you can't see what came before the galaxy because the light is not only is it still traveling towards us, and we are still expanding the universe, that is, Uh, some of that light hasn't reached our eyes yet, and what we think may be the center, the so-called center, may not necessarily be. (laughs) We might just be looking at a very tiny part of the universe and uh, reading that microwave background radiation is... uh, fact of the actual creation epoch
1: mm. yeah, yeah, so your point is basically the same as mine is that uh, that we we might not be able to see early forming galaxies because we can't see that far into the past, right, but that's an explanation, but. I, uh, I guess one of his points is that they they all look the same. They're not getting any younger, you know, or or looking less defined. They're not smoothing out or whatever, or, or well, uh, going from smoothed out to, I don't know what a, a an early galaxy would look like. <laughs> well,
2: the light the light from a distant galaxy that you're seeing was light that was generated from a long time ago. It took that long for the light to get to your eyeballs. So mm-hmm. if, if someone's saying, "Well, you don't see any changes in it," It's because if they're, like, let's say if a galaxy is destroyed, we won't know about it for millions of years if it's that far away.
1: Yeah. Uh, It's kind of a mind-bender to think as as you look further out, you're looking further into the past, but further in the past, the the universe would have been presumably smaller. But as things go, the radius would be a larger radius, so... uh, It's really a weird mind-bender there to try to figure out.
2: Well, that brings into mind the question that a lot of people like to discuss these days about what is the center of the universe. Now, many Christians tend to think that our sun is the center of the universe. And there's very valid reasons why that cannot be so. Do you have any clues as to why that would be?
1: Well, yeah, galaxies are much larger than the sun because they're further away and they have all these lights that are stars.
2: Well, okay, let's say anywhere where there's a center is uh, where the most gravity is. Yeah. Okay, so if our sun was the center of the universe we wouldn't be here to talk about it because it would be a supermassive black hole. Yeah. What that indicates is there is no actual center to the universe, but there are centers all over the universe as black holes in the centers of galaxies. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I know the Big Bang model doesn't have an exact center, and that would... Change the nature of
2: well. If you think about like a let's say a tiny ball, right, and we live on the outer skin of the ball. All right. Now the ball expands. Okay, so it expands to the size of our current universe, and on the skin of the ball, all the way around it, you've got all these galaxies, right? Mm-hmm. Well. Could be begged, well, what's inside the ball? Well, we don't know. We only know what's on the surface of the ball because we live on the surface of that ball. So, what we see is no determined center because the entire universe expanded like a sphere.
1: Okay. So, so on the what? surface of the balloon, there is no center. Right. Yeah. And that's how it would be represented in in 3D. Our minds can't really figure that out, but it would be the same. Yeah, it's
2: kind of confusing a little bit. It took me a long time to even, like, accept that. But, Hmm. you know, when you take gravity into account, you realize that anything that would be the center of the universe would be a black hole so massive that it would suck everything into it. Right. Well, there's no phenomenon that we can see like that, therefore, there is no exact center because the center is always going to be where the gravity is the strongest.
1: Well, and if there is one, I mean, from, what, from our perspective, everything is going out in all directions away from us on average. So if there was a center that everything was revolving around, uh, you know, it would look differently.
2: Well, perspective is the key. If you were on the planet Mars and looking up into the sky with a telescope, you would assume, if you didn't know any better, that everything revolved around the planet Mars.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Because yeah. from all directions, everything looks like it's out there in all directions. And yeah. though Mars were the center, but it's the same no matter where you go.
1: The point would
2: think the same thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. So the point of that is to suggest that, I mean, w- what we see, even though everything looks like we're in the center, we're only seeing the visible part of the universe for us. There's, there's a lot more that can't right. be seen, so, and so we like can't. You, really if you're
2: see. in, like, you're on that skin of that ball in one of the galaxies and you're peering out with your telescope, well, if it's a sphere, you're only going to see a certain part of the horizon, which is kind of like all we can see of the universe, right? We can't see beyond a certain point. Okay, so you're going to look in all directions, and it's going to seem like you're in the center looking outward in all directions. Yeah. But if you had a God's eye view of things, you would you would be able to tell that every one of those galaxies has its own center.
1: Yeah. So, is there another uh, point plan there you wanted to address? Um,
2: well, I would say if somebody wants to convince me of things that they say, do it using science. If you cannot use science as a pursuit of the truth, then you cannot validate anything you say. My reasoning is, There is science falsely so-called, and there is legitimate science. And as I said before, the lips of the righteous shall be the repository of science. So show me your science if you cannot... and, And like, even... If you don't read Hebrew, how are you going to know if any of your English translational data is not an error? I mean... Just you yourself, you've studied the Hebrew, and you can see all the errors, can't you?
1: Yeah, there's definitely differences, and uh, actually my next poise, uh, post points that out. I'm going to give Perman a warning before he reads it. Viewer discretion advised. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to point out some differences in the English and the Hebrew.
2: So and anyone uh, that says, oh, well, my King James is the only legitimate source because it's the best translation. How do you know that it's the best translation if you have not read the original in its original tongue?
1: Yeah, it takes faith. You just have to believe. I mean,
2: and, science is really the pursuit of truth.
1: Yeah,
2: right? And that's all we're doing is pursuing the truth of the Lord.
1: Yeah, one of the points I make is uh if somebody has a conviction, they're being informed should be it should equal that conviction, otherwise they they have an illegitimate conviction, and this is not talking about Sherman at all.
2: Bothly so called would be uh, those who use science to disprove the existence of the creator.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, they they can't do it. This
2: it's but, impossible. I even think I have a. I think we went over that last time. I think I have a a, a proof of God.
1: Do huh.
2: you want me to go over that?
1: Yeah, go over the proof of okay. God.
2: My proof of God is this. Uh, and you learn so much by going through the, the Hebrew rather than the English. The word, the erroneous word God is actually Elohim. And if you look all through Genesis, you see Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Elohim yeah. did this. Elohim did that. And as we know, Elohim means powers, okay? Another way to say powers is energy, all right? Well, in physics, good, true physics, it's not false. The definition of energy is that it can neither be created nor destroyed, but continuously changes its form, okay? Okay? in the definition of a God is that it has no beginning and end and everything's made from it. Right. Yeah. So our Lord has no beginning and end and he made everything. And in science they say energy has no beginning and end and made everything. Well, Elohim means energy. (laughs) How hard is that? And so if you say, well, you're implying that God's energy. I'm like, yes, absolutely, energy with a consciousness, right? Yeah. They're, they're like, well, how how could how could energy have a consciousness? I'm like, well, you're made of energy and you have a consciousness, do you not?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, and doesn't it say that uh, by him by Him all things consist? So yeah,
2: through Him and by Him and for Him. Yeah. Hebrews is it? So, that that's my saying for the day. The lips of the righteous shall be the repository of science, and that's in the Bible. Mm. No, in the King James, it'll say the repository of knowledge, but science is knowledge. It's the pursuit of knowledge, the truth of it.
1: Mm. Yeah. Oh, what did you think about Io? He was talking about Io and how It's a a confoundatory thing uh, for scientists because it has volcanoes and stuff like that.
2: Io has volcanoes because of its proximity to the planet. Yeah. Okay. The the strong gravitational field of the planet that Io surrounds or that it orbits causes the, the planet to heat up and the magnetic fields induced cause it to heat up within and produce volcanic activity.
1: Along with the moons that are on the outside, because it's really...
2: So what was cheap. he justifying the volcanoes with?
1: Well, uh, he's saying that they shouldn't exist anymore because of all the time that it would have taken to cool down. That's.
2: Well, that, sort of that's, that's the point. incorrect thinking. I, I'm not trying to judge anybody, but you know, that, okay. that's an erroneous assumption there.
1: Yeah. Well, I do um, know he...
2: In
1: yeah, so there's a lot of things in the solar system that uh, really challenge an old model, but there's also a lot of things that challenge a young model. Uh, so uh, it seems like the closer we get toward Earth, there seems to be more supporting evidence or things that young Earth can, can point to. But the further away we get, it seems like all that evaporates as far as
2: I'm concerned. Yeah, one of the things you said seemed to have relevance to a universal view versus a view from Earth. Uh, You were talking about a local versus a global understanding of things. Yeah. Which is a very important way. Like, for instance, like, you know, from, from a God's eye view, when he creates the firmament in the midst of the waters... Okay, and I, I put quotes around all them words. The, the word rakia can be firmament, but it also is expansion. Now, if, if you were looking from God's perspective, what appears to be a firmament, uh, when you shrink down to our size, there's lots of space in between everything. It's just like... You look at a solid table and knock on it, and it seems like a firmament. But if you shrink down to the size of an electron, you would be in a vast, empty space with things flying around in it, balls of energy. So your view at the size of an electron becomes a local view, whereas when you're looking at that table and touching it, that's a global view because you're you're previewing the entire surface of that table as one unit. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, and that's what I think there's two timelines in Genesis in one and um it's it's showing an earthly view uh at some point and uh you can p- apply some of the things to an earthly view, but that's more of an illustrative Purpose right waters above and below we can imagine that the sea evaporated and then dry land appeared you know, we could imagine that happened on the earth but we could also see that in the cosmos as well and earth the dry land appears on earth but it's appearing elsewhere as well and you know I, I point out that the days have themes to them it's not accidental all all the days have themes so I don't. I don't think it's necessary to uh, gauge a day and, and put it as one Earth rotation, especially when the Earth doesn't even show up uh, until day three. Um, so. But that depends on, you know, if you're so wrapped up in a different paradigm, it's going to be hard to, to come out of that. But Sherman has really been able to see the the paradigm that I present. It just He's not quite there when it comes to the timeline thing. And, uh, I'm actually
2: blown away at Sherman's progress. I mean, he's actually gone from um uh, a atypical uh well, a typical view as a as a regular Christian would have to a more scientific bent. Yeah. Or,
1: kind of or rather <laughs> a young earth creationist view too, but but open to science, not just dismissing all of The things. I mean, we we do need to scrutinize science. Don't get me wrong, but you know, to a a degree, you know
2: which is false and which is legitimate.
1: Exactly, exactly. So I I do come to it skeptically, but the way I measure if it's going to be good enough is does it fit in the scripture? If it doesn't fit, it's not it's not uh, legitimate. You know,
2: and that's my feeling too. And that's where we have the battle because see like somebody like a regular christian a young earth creationist or whatever they get it from the scientists and then the scientists get it from them but you and I we get it from both sides.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm open I yeah uh, you know, it it looks to a young earth creationist that I'm trying to fit science into the bible But I'm just comparing it. I'm looking. All right, what does it say? Well, you know, it says space uh, expanded. It has to start from somewhere on verse 6. Everything before verse 6.
2: Well, let's just quickly examine that phrase that you just said, trying to fit science into the Bible. Science is a pursuit of the truth. So if you're trying to fit a pursuit of the truth into the Bible, what is wrong with that?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't see it. I'm pursuing <laughs> truth. Yeah, yeah.
2: We're certainly not pursuing lies. And you know what? When we find out we're wrong, we like it because yeah. it allows us to pursue the truth.
1: Absolutely, I love it. I, I, I tell Jenny this. Uh, I'm like, yeah, I, I want to. I put myself out there so that I could see. All right, do I have good judgment? Uh, we had uh, two differing views on a certain subject. And she was right, and I was—I was glad. I'm like, well, next time we come to this subject, I'm going to be more inclined to take your view of it because I don't trust mine on this particular topic. That's—that makes us both yeah. better, you know.
2: Amen.
1: Uh, it makes the outcome better. And if, same thing if with the theories. We're not
2: capable of eating our own words when we're wrong. That just makes us hypocrites.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not profitable. Uh, and it's possible for someone to to build an echo chamber around, and, and this happens all over the place. It's not anyone, you know.
2: In the cognitive but, dissonance.
1: Yeah, and just kind of. I'm not interested in doing that. Although I'm very, uh, I'm I'm very much at risk of doing that because I'm so deep into my own uh, view of the scripture right now, it's going to be hard to change my mind. I mean, I, I've got this view of it. it. It fits pretty well. I've had people come to try to challenge it and I haven't seen anything that really challenges it to me, you know? So in fact, it's been persuasive the opposite way. And I said, well, I think I'm onto something. If I'm changing other people's minds, that means I have something so powerful as an argument that, uh, that it's worth something. Maybe we'll get a little bit closer to the truth that way.
2: I agree. Awesome.
1: Well, I think this is a good uh, equal time here, 32 minutes. That's about what the other one was. All right. uh, Thank you. I enjoyed the talk. All righty. We'll talk to you later.
2: Have a good day, sir. God bless you.
0: You too. Bye-bye. So there you have it. That's Frederick's response. To Sherman's response, uh, they're having a little test. It is a beautiful day out here. So, next week, which is probably like two weeks from what I'm recording right now, uh, this is going to be scheduled for next week. I'm guessing like Saturday. And um, uh, hopefully by then I'll have finished the day four. Uh, what did I call it? What are the lights? I think that's a good question. What are the lights? The next one after that will be, what made earth a mother? Wow. Because they call it Mother Earth because God said, let the earth bring forth. And it did. So anyway, I'm looking forward to those. Um, subscribe, obviously, and share this on Facebook or the other ones. Save the you know, Share the best ones, the ones you like, or all of them, whatever. Let's spread the word. I need to build this thing up. I probably won't make much money on this one. I'd rather make money on my other podcast. It's uh, Scott S. Nutter, and that is uh, some other conversations and writings, more of economics. Uh, I compare you know, Dave Ramsey with uh, Robert Kiyosaki. That's a good one. I'm pretty proud of that. I also have Confessions of a Know-It-All on there. It's a whole different thing from this. This is more of a ministry thing. It's a studying of the Word of God. And uh, I enjoy this as much. I don't really want to make money on this. I would like it to be self-paid for, whatever time and stuff like that. But uh, nothing to get rich on. That's what I'd like. But you got to build an audience first. And uh, so that's, that's the phase we're in. And I, I'm never going to have ads that are irrelevant on here. I might have ads for commentaries or Christian books or something like that someday. But uh, mostly I'd like to make this a, uh, an audience-funded thing. You know? So I think that's more appropriate. Thanks for listening. And until next week, I'll talk to you later.